The book of Nehemiah, I love the book of Nehemiah for a lot of reasons. We looked at already in chapter 1, we're going to be in chapter 2 this morning, but in, in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, we looked at Nehemiah's concern for his country, for his people, for his family um, in the first few verses, and then we looked at Nehemiah's prayer in the second part, and Brother Keith I know I have not gotten back to you with these titles, so this is me giving you these titles now, okay? Brother Keith records all these and tries to put them up, and then he always texts me and asks me for titles, and I always forget to give them to him. So, it's Nehemiah's concern, and then Nehemiah's prayer in uh, verses 5 and following there, down through 8, or verse 7, I'm sorry, and then verses 8 down through the end of the chapter is God's promises. Nehemiah... He reminds God, in verse 8, he says, Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses. And he reminds God of his promises. He says, God, you promised that if we did wickedly, you would scatter us. And we did wickedly, and you scattered us. But, he says, you also promised that if we would repent and if we would turn to you that you would gather us all back together. And Nehemiah says, look, on, on my behalf, on the behalf of me, of my father, of my family, and of my people, Nehemiah says to God, he says, this is me repenting. This is us repenting. For our people, this is us coming back to you and saying, we want to come home. We want to experience your blessings again. We want to be back in your good graces. I think, of course, of the prodigal son in the, in the story of the prodigal son. And his, his, his father was always looking and always waiting and always watching for him to come back. And as soon as he did, Father, of course, ran to meet him. I love the verse, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I picture it in my own mind, because God sees everything. You know, that, that father in the story of the prodigal son, all that he could do is look down the road and wait. His vision, his view was limited. And as soon as his son came into view, he, of course, rushed to meet him. God's vision, on the other hand, is unlimited. And no matter where you and I are at, as soon as we turn his direction, I believe that the Lord is right there. I don't know how far. You know, the son went into a, on a journey into a far country. He had a journey to But God, wherever we're at, no matter how far the country is, he's already there waiting for us to turn his direction. And I believe with all my heart that as soon as we do, he's going to... As soon as we turn his direction, that doesn't mean everything's perfect. But as soon as we turn his direction, he's right there to hold our hand and to help us and to walk us the rest of the way back to where we need to be. The prodigal son, he had to make the journey almost all the way back home by himself. We don't have to do that. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for the promises of God that Nehemiah was reminding God of, not because God forgot but more for his own sake, to give him the confidence to move forward. So he reminds God of that. The end of verse 11 of chapter 1, he says this, O Lord, I beseech thee, 
Let now thine ear be, att- uh, be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy, thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. He said, I am going back before the king. And he said, I'm going to need mercy. He understood his standing. He was a stranger. He was the king's cupbearer. He was in a place that was a, a place of high regard as far as a servant. He was trusted, but he was still a foreigner. And he understood what he was doing. He was going to go to the king. He was going to make a petition to the king. He had been praying about it, fasting about it. But he said, God, I need your help. You know, it's a shame sometimes we'll pray about something and pray about something and pray about something. And God will give us the confidence to do it. And then we'll go try to do it on our own instead of asking him to help us with the completing of what we've prayed about and asked him to give us wisdom and direction in. We pray right up until the time of, you know, until the, the time of action comes and then we stop praying and forge ahead and end up falling on our faces. We need to make sure that we're praying all the way through. And that's what we're going to look at the first few verses of chapter 2 this morning and look at what Nehemiah does when this comes about. And there's a, there's a little statement in here I just want to spend a little bit of time on this morning. Let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the, 12th, or in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. He says the time had come. Now this is several months later. You know, it was still in the, within the same year, but several months later. If you read, read back in, in chapter 1, verse 1, and now... Chapter 2, verse 1, several months down the road, he has spent some time in prayer and in fasting and in talking to God about the situation and begging God for help. Now he's back before the king. It doesn't say that this is the very next day after he's prayed. It doesn't say, it doesn't tell us exactly how many days it's been since he prayed the prayer at the end of chapter 1 there. But he says wine was before the king. His job was to bear the wine to the king. And so he says, I was doing my job. This time had come. And he says that, what he says at the end of of chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this Sunday school class, for the visitors that are here with us this morning, Lord, for the faithful folks that are here every single week. I pray that you'd bless. I pray that you'd add your blessing to your word this morning. Be with our preacher, I pray as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I had not been before time sad in his presence. I believe with all of my heart that one of the reasons that God allowed Nehemiah to do what he allowed Nehemiah to do was because of that little statement that you see at the end of verse number 1 in chapter 2. He said, I had not been before time sad in his sight. Now, notice what it does not say. Nehemiah doesn't say, I'd never been sad before. Nehemiah does not say, I'd never had a bad day. He does not say, I'd never had a broken heart. I'd never struggled with anything before. He said, I had not been before time sad in his sight. He had a job to do. He had a responsibility to do. And he said, I had, with the Lord's help, before this time, for however long it had been, that he had been the king's cupbearer, 
He had never seen me sad before. You know, there are some times that we as Christians need to put our game face on, if you will. You know, if you work on a bus route, we have a lot of people that are bus drivers and bus workers and bus captains in our Sunday school class. You know, no matter how badly you're feeling as a bus worker, it's important to those people on that bus route that when they see you in the morning, you're at your best. When they see you on Saturday, when you come visit them, that you're not knocking on their door and, man, you coming to church tomorrow or not? Yeah, I don't blame you. I probably wouldn't come tomorrow either. It's going to be rough. I'm just telling you right now. You know, what they need to see on Saturday is they need to say, hey, you coming tomorrow? You won't believe. Sorry, I forgot that. Love my board. Phone stand over. Hey, they need to know. They need to see me excited. They need to see the bus driver when they get out in the morning. I'll never forget Steve Childers. He was my bus driver when I was in Michigan as a youth pastor. Brother Childers, man, every kid that got on the bus, he was the first face that they saw, you know, whoever knocked on their door. But when they got on the bus, Brother Childers, he'd say, man, am I glad to see you this morning. I hope you're having a great day. Every kid that got off the bus, he'd say, remember, seven days without church makes one week. Every time, every kid that got off the bus, seven days without church makes one week. There's something about that excitement. And he says, one of the reasons that he was so effective in what God allowed him to do that Nehemiah was, was because of his consistent, positive demeanor. You know, our positive attitude, even in a difficult circumstance, is one of the things that will allow us to be effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. When you were, If you work in a secular environment, it's not normal in our world today for people to be happy all the time. Sometimes, initially, people that just, might, that just meet you might think you're a little bit weird. They're probably right. You probably are a little bit weird. But on the other hand, if you see somebody that's, consistently has a positive attitude, even in, even when things are falling apart, even when things are you know, difficult and pipes are freezing and breaking in the girls' dormitories at midnight and all kinds of fun things like that. Hey, no, when, when you see those things, one of the reasons I love Brother Wolf, working with Brother Wolf, is he's, he's, a, he's a sarcastic guy. He's got a lot of sarcasm, but at the same time, he loves the Lord and he loves that college. And it doesn't matter day or night. Anytime you call him, he'll be there. But that attitude, that spirit, he says, I'd never been, I'd never been sad in the sight of the king. And you know when people are, when other people are hurting, when other people are struggling, they're not going to go to another person that's always down in the mouth and, unless they just want to commiserate with somebody and just share their misery. If they want help for their misery, you know who they're going to go to? They're going to go to somebody that has a positive attitude, that's happy, and say, look, I'm struggling with something. Do you think you could help me? Look what happens in verse number 2. Wherefore, verse 2, the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. 
The king recognized, he said, look, why are you sad? You've never been sad before. I've never seen you sad before. You know, there's some people that every time you see them, they just look miserable. I've told some people occasionally, man, I hope I'm never as miserable as you look right now. I can't imagine what it would be like to be that miserable. And usually it gets them to smile, which is my goal ultimately. I told the kids a couple weeks ago, we got to preach in college chapel. And I said, when I came on the campus of the college 18 months ago, I said, I just took it as a personal mission to try to make everybody that I pass in the hallways, I try to get them to smile. Sometimes it's just hello. Sometimes it's saying a joke to them. Sometimes it's shaking their hand, just smiling. Sometimes it's making faces at them. Whatever it is, I try to get people to smile and enjoy themselves. But there's just some people that are kind of just as determined as I am to make people smile. They're just as determined not to. And I still try. But, you know, those people, you wouldn't know if they're having a good day or a bad day. And those are the kind of people that usually you learn not to ask them how they're doing because they'll tell you. Oh, let me tell you. I can, I'll do, how much time do you have? Pull up a chair. You might want to get a cup of coffee. This is going to take a while. You know, the people, I like being around people that are smiling and happy. And when I say, how are you doing? They're like, let me just tell you how good God has been. Man, I'll get a cup of coffee and I'll sit down for that conversation. I love hearing about how good God is. But the other people, I kind of half want to run away. I'll be like, never mind. Sorry I asked. Just kidding. I was just, oh, sorry. My phone's ringing, I think. You know, whatever. I got to go. Yeah. My mom's calling. Somebody's calling. But the king says to Nehemiah, he says, why is something's different about you? Let me ask you a question this morning. If your countenance was sad, would people say something's different? Would other people that are around you on a daily basis, would they see you and say, something's not right? Or would they just say, you know, that's them. That's them. Because as you I'll never forget, um, I had been a youth pastor in Rockford, Illinois for seven years, and the Lord moved in a lot of different ways, and the Lord chose to move our family, and I, God had called me to pastor, and I went to pastor in Georgia, and the kids in the youth department, we hadn't told them, we were, we were coming up on the time I had met, talked to pastor, and we had arranged for a time that I was going to tell them, and then we were going to be there about two weeks after that, and we were going to leave, and I was preaching a sermon to the kids, and it I'm a generally pretty happy guy. And I was preaching a sermon to the kids on guarding their heart. And I just, I just wept through almost the whole sermon. It was very difficult for me to get through. And, of course, not, you know, I wasn't a, a blubbering mess, but it was difficult. And every worker and a bunch of the kids in that youth department, sometime in the next several days at different times, came to me and said, something's not right. What's going on? 
That's not you. You're not normally that way. They recognized because it was out of character for me. What is out of character for you? When your kids or your grandkids or the people at work or the people on your bus route or the people in whatever ministry that you're in, when those people see you, what would they have to see to say, that's out of character for them? That's not normal for them. They're not normally that way. My 15-year-old daughter came up to me the other night. I was getting ready to get in bed, and she came to me and asked a question. A couple things had gone on that day. My 15-year-old daughter came to me. She said, Daddy, you did this, and that's not normal. It wasn't anything bad, but she was worried because she recognized that that wasn't the way that I normally was. Our families, the people that were around on a regular basis ought to know us enough to say that's out of character for them. Nehemiah was able to do, God was able to use Nehemiah to do what he did. I believe with all of my heart that it was in large part because of what his character was on a regular basis that the king was able to recognize that's out of character. We need to live consistent Christian lives. The thing that will give you an opportunity five years down the road to witness to somebody that you've been praying for for all that time, a co-worker, a family member, whatever, it will be your consistency. It will be your faithfulness. It will be your being the same all the time. Those of you guys that are truck drivers and you see the same people every week, maybe the same people every day at these different stops and they see you, They know. You could go, I could go to any one of them and say, Hey, Brother Keith, is he generally a pretty happy guy? Or is he a pretty miserable guy? They know. You know why? Because even if you don't think they're paying attention, they're paying attention. And if Brother Keith came in one day and he was kicking over speakers and he was angry and throwing boxes and everything else, you know, running cars into stuff and all kinds. Yeah, I'm sure Wally's probably seen it. You know, they'd say, hey, that's not normal. What's wrong? What would it take for somebody to recognize in your life something being out of character? What would be out of character for you? Verse number 3 says this. Or He said at the end of verse 2, Nehemiah says, I was very sore afraid. Why? Not because he he was afraid of the king, but he recognized the king had the ability with a snap of his finger or the point of his finger to just have his head cut off. Kings didn't like having people that were not happy in their presence. They liked to be on the positive side of things. They needed people to be an encouragement and a blessing and all that and uplifting. And they said, hey, Nehemiah is afraid. But what happens in verse 3, he says this, And said unto the king, Nehemiah said, I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? He says, why shouldn't I be sad, king? The the place that I care about the most is falling apart. You know, I've seen some some dads and some moms and talked to them and said, man, you you don't seem, you know, 
what will affect them more than anything else is if there's something going on at home. Maybe somebody's sick. Maybe it's a marriage that's struggling. Maybe it's a child that's struggling. And people that normally are very happy people or very positive people, and you see that and you say, why? My child's making bad choices. Struggling with my spouse, or maybe my parents, or maybe I have a, 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 a father that's in the hospital, or maybe there's something about that. And Nehemiah says, why wouldn't I be sad? You know, we ought to be able to be sad to allow that to affect our hearts when things aren't going well. But look what he says in verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? The king said, Hey, what do you want? What, can, what is he saying? He's saying, What can I do to help? Somebody that's always been happy in my sight. Things aren't right. You know, some of our guys talking about different things. I remember Brother Eason when he had that accident not too long ago and different things. I remember him saying, look, my boss came to me and said, Don't, we're going to do everything we can to help you. What do you need? How can I help? What can we do to help you get through all this? What can, how can we work with you through these things? Why? Because he's been consistent for a long time. The king just says, how can I help? What can we do? What do you need? And look at what Nehemiah does, and I'll be done. He says, the end of verse 4, he says, So I prayed to the God of heaven. So I prayed to the God of heaven. He'd been praying, he'd been praying about it, praying about it, praying about it, but it didn't stop when the opportunity finally presented itself. Presented itself. He asked God to give him mercy. God had given him mercy. And now he goes to God, he says, God, I, I, I've got the mercy, and now I need wisdom. I need wisdom on what to do going forward. And I love to, I'm looking forward to going through the rest of the chapter and what happens and how God works. But what would be, just my my challenge for you this morning, why are you so sad? But what would be out of character? Not that we have a bunch of sad people in here, but what would be out of character for you? I just want to challenge you with with that thought this morning. What would be out of character for you? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this Sunday school hour. I pray that you bless our main service. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.